Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned into Kingston Currents here on CFRC 11.9 FM. Brought to you by the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, here to keep you up to date on all things Limestone Local News. After a one-month break, City Council meetings will resume tonight. The following are some of the items coming before Council this evening. City staff is recommending that the City of Kingston begins offering civil marriage solemnization services by city staff to ensure that all members of the community have equal access to marriage services. In Ontario, there are three types of marriage ceremonies, religious, indigenous, and civil. A civil marriage ceremony is a non-religious marriage ceremony presided over by an Ontario judge, justice of the peace, or a municipal clerk under the authority of a license. Currently, civil marriages are not available in Kingston. If council approves of the implementation of civil marriage solemnization services, staff will undertake the necessary training and develop administrative support so that ceremonies can be booked starting in January 2024. Council will have the opportunity to approve the Community Investment Fund 2023 funding recommendations. The Community Investment Fund, CIF, is a joint grant program between the City of Kingston and the United Way of Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington, based on the joint community priorities of both organizations. The United Way continues to administer the program at no charge. A total of 42 eligible applications from 35 agencies were received in May 2023, with a total request of $966,470. Six review panels were established and a total of 13 grant applications are recommended to be funded with the municipal contribution of $220,000. Additionally, some requests will be forwarded to the United Way Board of Directors for their consideration. All grants were prioritized based on availability of funds, quality, and need for programs, and were reviewed using an equity, diversity, inclusion, and indigeneity lens, with consideration of the impact of services to vulnerable populations. The recommendation is that Council approve the 13 Community Investment Fund grant recommendations for a total of $220,000. There are also four reports coming before Council tonight, including reports from the Planning Committee, the Kingston Heritage Properties Committee, the Administrative Policies Committee, and the Integrity Commissioner. These are just a few of the items on the agenda, and you can watch tonight's City Council meeting live at 7pm on the Kingston City Council YouTube channel. Open Farm Days 2023, celebrating farming and food in Frontenac and Kingston. September 1st to October 15th, 2023 has been declared Open Farm Days 2023 by the County of Frontenac, City of Kingston, South Frontenac, Frontenac Islands, Central Frontenac, and North Frontenac to highlight the importance of agriculture in the region. The six-week calendar of events offers opportunities to explore, engage, and learn more about farming and where our local food comes from. It is an opportunity to bring friends and family together and explore the farms, farmers markets, and various locations across our region. There are locations across Frontenac County and Kingston that are welcoming visitors to explore local agribusinesses and get an inside look. Each location is offering unique experiences including tours of fields, beekeeping, introduction to growing fruits and vegetables, demonstration on coffee roasting, harvesting hops, learning about animals, farm equipment, culinary tours, tastings, and experiences. In a quote from Debbie Miller, Community Development Officer of Frontenac County, farms, chefs, and community organizations have created some exciting experiences to demonstrate to visitors the unique things their site offers. Visiting a farm offers a memorable opportunity to really connect with the food, the land, the farmers, and the chefs, end quote. There are options on how you can participate with a combination of ticketed and drop-in events throughout the six weeks. Ticketed events allow farmers and chefs to connect more closely to share the unique characteristics of their farm or food with more in-depth opportunity. The community events offer a chance to drop in and connect with agriculture in a less structured, self-guided manner. 
The launch event for Open Farm Days will take place on Friday, September 1st at 4 p.m. at the Frontenac Farmers Market in Centennial Park in Harrowsmith with speeches and an official ribbon cutting farm style. The Frontenac Farmers Market takes place from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. For the complete Open Farm Days 2023 listing or to purchase tickets, you can visit openfarms.ca. Superheroes return for 8th annual visit to KHSC's pediatric unit. To the delight of patients and families alike, a team of Caped Crusaders dropped by the Kingston Health Sciences Center to lift the spirits of children receiving care at its Kingston General Hospital site. The event has become an annual tradition for the staff at Elite Window Cleaning, who trade in their typical uniforms for superhero costumes. While they drop over the side of the building before visiting the Pediatric Department, Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, and Child and Youth Mental Health Unit, Erica Coy, Manager of Pediatrics, NICU, and Child Life Services at KHSC stated, Our people have been counting the days until Superhero Day. We look forward to it every year. It's a huge morale boost for our young patients and goes a long way to ease the stress they may be feeling during their hospital stay." End quote. Chris Stoness, owner and CEO of Elite Window Cleaning stated, Seeing the amazement in the kids' eyes and how they forget about their current situation makes what we're doing so worthwhile and keeps us coming back year after year, end quote. Pathways to Education Kingston recognized for promoting community resilience. A team from Pathways to Education Kingston has received an international award for developing innovative, trauma-informed training programs available to community organizations in the Kingston Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington region. Called Teach Resilience, the three-year-old educational social enterprise fosters resilience building at an individual, community, and system level. Last week, it was recognized by the U.S. Community-Based Resilience Initiative, CRI, with their Community Resilience in Action Award, the first Canadian group to be so honored. Pathways Program Manager Roger Romero accepted the award with trauma-responsive team leads Stephanie White, Gary Castle, and Cara Fry, noting that more than 2,000 people from KFLNA Educational, Social Service, and community groups have already attended Pathways training sessions. Romero added, We're really excited to be moving trauma-response work forward in our area and beyond, end quote. Through a grant from the Community Foundation for Kingston and Area, Pathways was able to book training for several staff members with the International Community Resilience Initiative. Revenue from the Teacher Resilience Sessions is reinvested in Pathways to Education's local programming to deal with budget reduction issues as a true social enterprise, says Romero. In October 2023, a Kingston Symposium for educators, service providers, community members, and decision makers will focus on using the trauma-informed approach to build resilience across KFLNA. In another quote from Romero, he states, When people go to different agencies across the community, we want them to experience relational healing interactions. Neuroscience proves that resiliency comes from the community rather than the individual. People can't pull themselves up without supportive systems. For more details on the Teach Resilience program and how to arrange training, you can go to teachresilience.ca. New Welcoming Streets Initiative has a successful first month in downtown Kingston. The Downtown Kingston BIA, in partnership with Addiction and Mental Health Services Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington, last month introduced a new street outreach initiative in Kingston's downtown core. This collaborative one-year pilot project, supported by the City of Kingston, called Welcoming Streets, aims to create a compassionate, inclusive, and supportive environment for everyone in the downtown community. In a quote from Ruth Nordegraff, Director of Housing and Social Services, she stated, City Council identified funding for this exciting partnership in May, which reflects our strategic priority of expanding street outreach support with addiction and mental health expertise with a downtown focus. 
we are proud to support this pilot project expertly led by our community partners, which will improve success to services for unhoused and precariously housed individuals in Kingston's core. Welcoming Streets serves two significant purposes, supporting those who may not be accessing the services they need and engaging business and property owners in the downtown core while collaborating with local service providers. Business owners, community organizations, and service providers have the opportunity to be a part of a safe, welcoming, and supportive community while taking into consideration the complexity of needs for all those involved. The Welcoming Streets initiative is supported by two dedicated professionals from the mental health and addiction sector, one from the Downtown Kingston BIA and one from Addiction and Mental Health Services KFLNA. The Welcoming Streets team members will collaborate regularly to address community outreach needs, drawing upon their combined experience, expertise, and mutual commitment to community well-being. The aim of the program is to communicate directly and support vulnerable individuals who may be experiencing homelessness, addiction, or mental health difficulties, treating them with respect and supporting them in accessing services they may need. The Welcoming Streets program is being funded in part by the Ontario Homelessness Prevention Program. I sat down with their representative from the Downtown Kingston BIA as well as their representative from Addiction and Mental Health Services KFLNA to discuss the first month of the one-year pilot project. Here's what they had to say. So to get us started, would you both like to introduce yourselves and uh, your role with uh, Welcoming Streets? I'm Julie Lambert. I'm one of the program managers here at Addictions and Mental Health Services, KFLMA, and I'm the mental health program manager of the Welcoming Streets program. I'm Mary Jo Curie. I'm the executive director of Downtown Kingston BIA, and I administer the Welcoming Streets program along with an employee. Um, I was going to ask a little bit about the conception of this program because I believe it's occurred in other Ontario cities before, but I was wondering how it came to Kingston. So Guelph was one of the first people to that I had heard of in terms of a BIA coming up with a solution for businesses to be able to have proper support when it came to people who were either experiencing homelessness, but in particular, uh, mental health and addictions uh, crisis in the downtown core. So previous my previous role from before I was here at the Kingston BIA I was in Belleville and uh, I was we were all we were experiencing a lot of um, activity on the street that was difficult to manage for our for our uh, businesses so I reached out to Guelph as a sister BIA and talked to them about their program and uh, got one up run up and running there um when I was just leaving, they were just implementing the program. They've run it now for two years. They started with very limited funding, one steward, uh, welcoming street steward, and now they have uh, pretty much guaranteed funding going forward and two welcoming street stewards on the street. So um, then fast forward to coming to Kingston and running the BIA here and also experiencing, as every downtown is experiencing right now, challenges with uh, people that are living on the street. And so um, I had a discussion with, with the municipality. We tried one model last year of a welcoming streets that didn't quite work. So we went back at it this year with some funding from the, um, the uh, it's an Ontario funding um, source for housing and homelessness. And uh, we teamed up with AMHS and it has been amazing. It's really just, it feels like it, it was just sitting there waiting to, to happen. 
Um, so yeah, we've been running it for a month now and every, all the, all the puzzle pieces are falling in place. It's wonderful. Mentioned your stewards there. Who are your stewards? Are they volunteers? Are they staff? So we have a street outreach case manager, Haley Shadforth. Um, she's worked with the agency for um, several years, has lots of mental health and addictions background. So she's out on the street every day, connecting with people um, that could use mental health or addiction supports. And then she's able to put them on her own personal caseload um, to provide supports to them as well as do referrals to other services. So individuals are getting connected to um, primary care, um, psychiatry, addiction supports, mental health supports, housing support. So it's a nice wraparound service. And then Mary Jo's um, steward as well is very well skilled as well, who complements the program um, on the client side and helps the businesses as well. I'd say each each welcoming street steward. So ours is Jason Wild. He works out of our office, and Haley works out of MHS. But they work quite well um, together. Most uh, most days they're to, they're working in some capacity together. They both, as um, Julie said, they really complement each other. Jason is primarily dealing with businesses who are having challenges and need support. Uh, and so he, he has a bit of a dual role, role there, helping in a, a situation of crisis, but then also building relationships with members so that they can better um, understand some of the, the challenges on the street. And then on the other side, he's also working with people that are on the street and, and struggling and getting to know them proactively before there is a situation that needs um, that needs immediate attention. So that he already has, as Haley does, a relationship with them and he's a trusted uh, person when that crisis happens. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And um, what are some specific examples of initiatives included in the program? So you have your stewards. There's some of the initiatives that we have. So they're out on the street every day, connecting with individuals, businesses, they're um, getting them connected to service, people connected to services. They're also doing some naloxone training. Um, we have a significant drug poisoning crisis going on in the world right now. So they're doing that for community partners. Education will be happening with um, the downtown businesses. Um, we have a good collaboration with other service providers in the area, um, the bylaw police that we work together with. So the, we want to get people connected to services, plus we also want to reduce unnecessary calls to police, um, unnecessary disruptions in the business area where maybe a person goes into the business, but should be actually connecting to the street outreach worker. So it's gonna, we're going to really provide a good wraparound service to people in the community. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure the results of this will be uh, qualitatively visible, but um, I was wondering how results of this program will be recorded and presented. So we have weekly reporting happening and, and a list of data points that um, we've agreed are capturable and measurable. Um, so weekly, there's a lot of data collection, data capturing from the Welcoming Street Stewards uh so that goes on daily it's reported weekly and then monthly it's reported to the municipality um and that has uh far-reaching advantages to to know really what's happening on the ground on the street and where 
where we need support going forward in this particular municipality. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Well, very excited to hear the results of this project after you've gotten settled. I mean, it's been a month. How's the first month been so far? It's been fantastic. The collaboration, it's just like, it was just waiting to happen and it's come together so smoothly and without really any hiccups. I don't see um, Haley and Jason work even though they're from two different organizations, they're one team, there's no barriers. It just has been, it's, it's been amazing, actually. And um, it's really nice to see um, the collaboration happening. You can see connections to care. Um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, the, the, it feels like there was a bridge missing in very various levels of communication around this particular subject and it's like all the bridges got built at once. We have a very uh, compassionate um, team of bylaw officers and police officers that work with us as well. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's better than I ever hoped for. Once again, that was our representatives from the downtown Kingston BIA and Addiction and Mental Health Services, Kingston Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington, discussing the successful first month of the Welcoming Streets pilot project. This year's Kick and Push Festival is well underway with 10 days left to catch shows. The Kick and Push is in its ninth year of bringing professional artists to Kingston from all over to share innovative works of great artistic and historical value. The three-week festival features award-winning Canadian performers and original international award-winning works in alternative and traditional venues in Kingston. I sat down with Madeline Smith with the Kick and Push Theatre Festival to chat about this year's festival. Here's a bit of what she had to say. And um, I mean, you guys have been going since 2015. Last year, I think, was the first year where it was fully not virtual anymore uh, post-COVID. I was wondering how this year has been so far and how it's been different from previous years. Yeah, this is my first year at the festival, actually. So I can't speak too much on previous years, Um, but this is our ninth season. We have our 10th season coming up next summer, which is very exciting. And it's been really great so far. I mean, my favorite thing about the Cook and Push is that it takes place in conventional and non-conventional venues. Mm -hmm. So I worked heavily with uh, Pandora in the Box, which was run out of the Tet Center, which was one of our amazing venue sponsors. Um, And we had this installation. It was almost like a comic book you could walk through. So we've had some shows go up and come down, which has been really great. And we have some more coming up. Uh, But you can really sort of expect to see lots of different things. There's something for everyone. But right now we're, we're in the thick of it and it's going and we're really happy to see people coming out and checking things out. Awesome. Yeah. And you just mentioned it there. You have a fantastic variety of theatrical productions, interactive, less interactive, all things in between. I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that. Yeah, absolutely. So with the Kick and Push, our main role or our main sort of focus with audience members is to take them beyond being passive observers. So what that means is you can participate in things to your own comfort level. You're not just sort of sitting in a chair and watching something happen. You can be immersed in the experience. 
So um, one of our upcoming shows, The Bull, it's going to be in McDonald Park from August 10th to 13th. Um, it's actually a bubble tent within a uh, contained performer. And the performer is doing mime and dance and drawing. And because it's in a park, you can sort of seat yourself anywhere and you can engage with this performer, um, which is really great. I mean, from an audience perspective, you can be a little bit more involved in the storytelling and have your own unique experience. I was also going to ask if there are any events that really have stood out to you this past week. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it's try- it's tricky to say. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of viewing all of these different programs in both sort of staff capacity and being privileged enough to go through as an audience member as well. Because we're um, only on week two out of week four, there are some things that haven't gone up yet that I'm also excited to see. Um, so, for example, Living with Shakespeare by Driftwood Theatre, that's happening August 5th and 6th in Springer Market Square, and I am a Shakespeare buff, I know not many people are, but I'm excited to see how in Springer Market Square, um, that sort of personal production sort of leaves in the works of William Shakespeare, while also exploring sort of our ongoing fascination with him, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, the pool as well, um, that giant uh, bubble tent with the contained performer. I've, I've seen photos of it. You can see photos of it on our website. It is just so visually striking. And I think it's truly something that not many people would have seen before, even thought of seeing before. Um, so I'm quite excited to see that. And of course, um, A Perfect Bowl of Fo, which is going on at the Kingston Grand, is just it's been very, very successful, and we're really lucky to have them a part of our programming as well. Awesome. So yeah, lots of exciting stuff to come still this week. How much longer is is the festival happening? Yeah, so we started up on July 22nd, and we are running until August 18th. So we're a month-long festival, but we have been annually. So we'll be back with our 10th season next summer. So if you miss us this summer, we're around next summer, and we hope to get as many people out and about and enjoying these experiences as we can. Once again, that was Madeline Smith with the Kick and Push Theater Festival, which you can catch until August 18th. You can also listen to the full interview with Smith on CFRC on Friday at 3 p.m. on the Kingston Curator with Lauren Tucker. Along with Smith chatting about the festival itself, you will also hear from Kick and Push performer Eric Wolf, aka Dr. Withergloom, to chat about his show, Doc Withergloom's Here There Be Monsters, where Dr. Pretorius Withergloom, the infamous necromancer, traveling exorcist, and arcane medicine showman, presents a ghoulishly giddy series of tales about the monsters, cryptids, and weird creatures that haunt our mortal realm. Your persona, Dr. Pretorius Withergloom, what's his origin yes. story? His origin story, well, he okay, he is a 152-year-old traveling uh, exorcist and itinerant necromancer. And we pull him out of his sepulchral closet once every couple of years to come up with a new show. He's sort of a medicine showman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his shows are, are usually collections of... of ghoulish little short stories that that uh that hold 15 minutes nicely but would never be able to stretch into a full play Mm -hmm. and uh he hates the audience and he hates himself (laughs) and uh he's uh uh he's there to sell uh for this show he's 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 uh arrived into kingston to sell his uh his field guide to monsters which is uh a small book that audience members can buy to uh, to warn them of the different goblins and ghoulies and creatures that lurk mm-hmm. the Canadian shadows. 
I mean, both in the background you just gave us and here there be monsters, you clearly have a fascination with horror, the Halloween-ish. Yeah. I was wondering how this genre grip your attention. Uh, well, it's something I've always liked. It mm-hmm. was something that my dad and I really bonded over when I was when I was really young. We would like from the age of I don't know as early as I could watch movies. We'd watch. Mm-hmm. We'd stay up late and watch you know old Universal horror films on the Late Show together, and and he'd take me to see horror movies that I was way too young for. So <laughs> it's always something I've kind of loved. And then when I started, uh, I've been an actor since I was a professional actor since I was about ten years old, and in my twenties I wanted to start creating uh, work that interested me. I kind of felt like there was a whole niche of of audience members that weren't being served. So uh, when I was in my 20s, about, you know, 25 or so years ago, I had this idea that that we could take uh, sort of horror elements and tropes and and remix them into, uh, into a kind of theater that, that um, served an audience that was neglected. I was wondering if you'd done the haunted walks, if you'd picked up any or found any creatures here yet. That's funny. I did the haunted years ago when I mm-hmm. visited Kingston with my, when my kids were young, we came to Kingston and did the haunted walks here. There is a, uh, near here on one of the islands, a, a famous um, uh, 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 expert in Charles Ford, who was one of the first chroniclers of the strange and unknown in cryptozoology. His, one of his main biographers lives here in town. So I, I thought, you know, it was a great, there's a great uh, historical precedent in Kingston for a play about strange monsters and unexplained events. Once again, be sure to tune in to The Kingston Curator on CFRC 101.9 FM at 3 p.m. on Friday for more on the Kick and Push Theatre Festival. That is all things current in Kingston for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What Will I Wear Kingston at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.